have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Hello, my friend, Aaron Schlein here, and welcome to this episode number 12 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about our Facebook group, Dramatic Travels Family. I'd love to have you on board. We are going to be doing a lot of fun things in the Facebook group, talking family travel, supporting each other on our journeys, providing resources, and just plain old community support. So Dramatic Travels Family Facebook group, you can find us by going to DramaticTravels.com right there at the top, big yellow banner with a link that will take you directly to the Facebook group. Love to have you on board. Uh, Today, episode number 12, I'm going to be chatting with Lisa Dornfest, and this was a fun conversation. Lisa was in Sri Lanka on a boat on the complete opposite side of the planet as we were having our chat and just... Just another one of the many, many reasons why we live in such a fabulous time to connect with people all over the world. And I hope you really enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun. I'm doing something a little bit different here. My chat with Lisa ran well over an hour, and I thought that was a little long for a single episode. So I I split it up. This first episode is going to be roughly half the interview, and then tomorrow morning, first thing, I'm going to post the second half of my interview with Lisa Dornfest. So my friend, hope you enjoy it, and we're off and running. Dramatic Travels family, I am very pleased to introduce you to my featured guest today, Lisa Dornfest. Lisa, are you ready to dive headfirst into some travel drama? I am indeed. All right, Lisa is a sailor and a visual storyteller. Her wanderlust has taken her to 38 countries across two oceans and into a third, offering her a distinctive view into a variety of cultures. She's currently sailing in Sri Lanka with plans to transit the Indian Ocean in 2018. Lisa, that's your official bio. So please take a minute and expand on your personal and your business life. Tell us about your world. Okay, well, I started uh, sailing around the world in 2011. Um, I took an eight-month leave of absence from my career and um, went to the United Kingdom to get my yacht master, did an Atlantic Ocean crossing, went back to work for a year as my uh, career as a project manager, and then set out again in 2013 um, to cross the Pacific and now the Indian Ocean. Excellent. And any uh, quick notes about your personal life? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, we can dive into that uh, later. Just okay. <laughs> I, I just don't want. I, I like to. I just like to paint a picture of my guests and you know, give a full picture. You know, because travelers, uh, travelers are people too. And just anything you wanted to note about. Uh, about your family. We can dive into all that later. I don't want to put you on the spot here. So let's. Okay. So um, what I like to do with, with all my guests, cause I, I really do like to paint that full picture of, of your whole story. And I really believe that your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. And I like to start at the beginning. So engage those emotions and tell us about your earliest travel memory and what made it so memorable. Okay. 
I think that my earliest travel memory goes back to when I was four years old. It was probably actually our first family vacation, you know, family vacation beyond, you know, going to the big city. Um, We went to the Grand Canyon and we were going to ride, I want to say mules or horses. I I can't, I think that they were horses. And um, I was going to, you know, ride with my mother and I didn't want to ride with my mother. I wanted my my own horse. And um, I wasn't taking no for an answer. (laughs) And uh, the guide who was taking us convinced my mother to let me ride on my own horse. He said he would take responsibility for me. And he, you know, basically led the way with me in tow. And I was able to complete the journey all by myself at four. And I've kind of, you know, not been very good at taking no for an answer since. And um, pretty much when I want to do something, I set out and I do it. Well, starting at four years old, that's that's pretty remarkable. I think you set the table. <laughs> I was pretty determined. <laughs> yeah, no no doubt about it. And and uh, you start out at four years old on horseback in the Grand Canyon and you end up sailing around the world. I think you set yourself up for a pretty solid life of travel there. So yeah, you really went back deep into those, those excuse me, those memories um, when you were four years old in the Grand Canyon. Is there any specific person that you can point to in your past that you could say was really a travel inspiration to you? Uh, most definitely. The person who most inspired this dream was my best friend from childhood, Mary Davenport Cook. Um, I had been living in New York um, and had been craving a new adventure um, and was seriously considering the possibility of a global circumnavigation in 2008. Um, This had started when I'd been chartering sailboats with my friend who was living her bucket list after being diagnosed with terminal breast cancer. And she taught me to enjoy the moments and pursue a dream while I was able I had uh, enjoyed traveling and, you know, taking in the great outdoors and really fell in love with sailing. And Mary inspired me to go for it while I could. And tell, can you tell me about some of those adventures that you had with Mary that eventually led to <laughs> your solo sailing? Sure. Okay. So um, Mary really loved sailing. And so she was living her bucket list. And we, he hired uh, Captain Matty, a 21-year-old sailing captain out of Newport when we chartered our first boat together in 2007. And we did a week of uh, chartering uh, through Martha's Vineyard um, uh, and through, you know, from Newport. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful trip. And our second trip, we chartered again with Captain Matty out of Newport. And this time we did Montauk and we did Block Island and, uh, you know, sailing uh, along uh, the East coast up the Connecticut river. Uh, our next trip, uh, we chartered with Captain Maddie and we wanted to do a little bit of offshore. And so we chartered a boat out of Florida and with Captain Maddie and, um, took it to cross the, uh, the, uh, Gulf stream to the Bahamas and back to the Florida Keys And our last sailing trip together was to Maine. We did two weeks in Maine, which was just wonderful. We both loved Maine, and we chartered a Hinkley with Captain Matty and uh, his crew, Haley, who later became his wife. And uh, so those were four of our sailing adventures together. Um, 
can you, can you take, can, can you back up even just a little bit further before those adventures and, you know, just kind of detail your, your friendship uh, with, oh, with, wow. Mar- with Mary and then just the, just the, the progression, <laughs> because I mean, cause I can, I'm just trying to sure. put, my, put myself in your shoes and I, I'd really like my listeners to, to really go there with you to, to walk through this experience of having this wonderful person in your life who had this very, you know, kind of crushing diagnosis and then how you, that you guys responded to that by living out the bucket list through sailing. You just take us to kind of the beginning of that story. Well, sure. Um, to the beginning of my story with marriage, or the beginning of the story from when she was diagnosed. When she was diagnosed, that just really from that okay. from that that life changing moment, really for both of you. Okay, so Mary was diagnosed in March of two thousand five with cancer, and it's interesting because it w- it was a time that we'd actually not been spending a lot of time together. She had moved to California. Um, I was, you know, focused on my job in New York. We weren't really doing a lot of traveling together. And when that came, when that diagnosis came, Mary completely changed her life. She had not been happily married at the time. She left her husband. Um, She entered into a new relationship with somebody that she had kind of put on the back burner um, at a time where she had wanted to uh, be with him and, you know, really kind of just turned her life upside down. And we did, you know, started traveling together. Um, in 2006, we did some land travel together, road trip from Glacier National Park um, up through the Rocky Mountains of Canada and to Vancouver and back. Uh, we <laughs> We traveled to an ice hotel. This was one of her bucket list items that I kind of was like, I don't want to do this. It's going to be so cold. I don't know if I want to do this. But we ended up going to an ice hotel, the Hotel Glass in Canada, um, in Quebec, Canada, in February of uh, 2007, I believe it was. And um, she basically convinced me to go to this. And then when we were getting ready to enter the ice hotel and enter this you know, the ice hotel for sleeping. It's like, I can't believe you made me do this. I'm like, I think you made me do this, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we, we, we survived it. And it was, actually the ice hotel itself was incredibly magical. It, uh, you could hear the snow singing. It was so beautiful. And we survived the evening to little dog sledding the next day. And, and basically um, Mary's diagnosis, I'm kind of jumping around here. She was diagnosed in March. She went in for surgery and came out and was told that she was stage four. So she always knew that she was terminal. And she, um, you know, again, as I said, began pretty much changing her life to make it become what she wanted. And really the traveling was in between treatments that she had. Um, You know, I even uh, took some time off of work in 2008 to go spend time with her when she was going to some of the heavy duty chemo treatment. Um, and, but basically she traveled every moment that she could when she wasn't doing treatment, she was traveling. Um, she was also working during this time, which is pretty crazy. So she was working for some, from some pretty random places. Um, but you know, she wanted to live the life that she really hadn't lived before. And she made that possible and again, inspired me not to wait. Well, and that's and, and I'm glad that you closed with that because that's exactly really what I was what I was looking for. One of the themes that I, I hit on on each episode of my podcast, or at least I try to, is to really dig into 
who the people that inspire others to travel. And there's so many different stories because I have a my personal story. My inspiration was my grandmother. She traveled me. She, she took me all over the world when I was a teenager. But you know, I'm just that oh, one. Awesome. I'm just that one story, and I love hearing. Of course, I don't love hearing stories about terminal cancer, but just the idea that you know that you just took such this strong inspiration from this woman who was your best friend and who had to have this transformative experience, and then kind of set you off on this path that you probably would not have gone down otherwise. And such a unique story, and I really appreciate you sharing and digging into those those details because inspiration can come from my goodness just about anywhere. And it sounds like Mary was a very very clear inspiration for you. She most definitely was. And I think that one of the things, you know, even though, yes, it's a sad story. Yes, Mary had terminal cancer. And yes, she's passed away now. She really did learn through that cancer to live the life that she wanted and to enjoy the moments and pursue the dream when able. So um, it was really, in some ways, a happy story because I think that she really also found herself and aligned her life with the life that she wanted to live. So I would say that her last five years were very, very happy years, although obviously she was also, um, you know, having to stare down her own mortality. Um, she lived her life to its fullest in those last five years. Well, that's great to hear. And Dramatic Travels family, what is on your bucket list and what are you waiting for? You know that's and that's one of the reasons I'm here. It's why this podcast exists is to break down those barriers, overcome those fears, and get you out in the world and seeing the things and doing the things that you always wanted to do before it's too late because it's going to be too late for all of us someday. Don't mean to take it too dark. That's not really what we're what I'm all about here, but it's a grim reality. We've only got so much time on this planet, and my goodness, take take advantage of it. So Lisa, and I was going to say, and maybe I could even add to that, you know, so my own experience of facing my own fears, it did take me some time to actually resign my position. And I was very fearful, even after, you know, Mary had inspired me, even after Mary had passed away, I was very fearful of following my own dream. But once I decided to just say, I've got to do this, I've got to, you know, face my my fears, none of those fears materialized. In fact, quite the opposite happened. Um, when I resigned my position, I was offered a leave of absence, um, an eight-month leave of absence to go and earn my RYA Yachtmaster offshore. And when I returned to work in 2012, I was given the biggest assignment of my career. It was the biggest program in the bank. And I went on to success successfully deliver it with an incredible team of individuals. And so not only, you know, did I not kill my career, I enhanced my career and have actually been offered um, three jobs along my way since I've been sailing um, in, you know, I left again in 2013 to do the Pacific and Indian Ocean, and I've been offered three jobs along the way. And so I am not ready to go back to work yet because I really want to finish this dream that I started. But, you know, I faced my fear and finding work has not been a problem for me. Are you able to share who that employer was who gave you that leave of absence so we can give them a big round of applause? Yeah, it was Credit Suisse, and I loved working there. I worked there for 11 years, and they were just an incredibly fabulous employer. Um, 
as well as, you know, the people that I worked with there were just amazing. So uh, I really, I loved, it was a great career. It was a really hard place to leave because I really, really, really loved working there. (laughs) Well, that's a... That's saying something, considering the life that you're you're living now. That that it was it was difficult to leave that job. It's it's wonderful to hear when people are able to uh, to really strike that 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 balance that you seem to have found and to be able to find an employer uh, that's so willing to let you be yourself and live your dreams and still serve them and serve their customers as well. Awesome, awesome story. Credit Swiss. Put uh put out your resume. <laughs> so. We kind of touched on fears a little bit. Let's dig into a low moment for your, from your travels, if you have one to share, because I feel like you don't travel as much as you have without encountering some low moments. And I like to sh- get people to share these low moments, not just for the good storytelling, even though it is good storytelling, but I love being able to share stories of, of low moments from people's travels. So those who might be listening today who are a little fearful of taking that step of getting out and exploring the world, especially with their kids, can hear that other people just like them have been able to overcome fears and low moments. So Lisa, can you share the lowest moment from your travels and what you learned from it? Absolutely. So interestingly, uh, the impetus for my sailing dream was my friend Mary who passed away from breast cancer. When I set out to go to England to get my RYA Yachtmaster and to cross the Atlantic, a week before I was supposed to go to sailing school, um, I'd, I'd resign my job. I'd, so, you know, sold my apartment. I'd pretty much given away everything that I owned to go. And a week before I went, going through the checklist of things to do before I left, I ended up getting a mammogram and they found something on my mammogram. And I'm like, oh, okay, I should have probably thought of this earlier on. And I was kind of scrambling around thinking, oh, I need to go get this biopsy. I really need to take care of this. And I as I was running around, I kind of thought, well, the whole reason I was doing this was to go live my own dream before it was too late for me. So why don't I just go to Yacht Master School and have it, you know, dealt with when I get there? I talked to my doctor in the States and she said, yes, you know, you can go get a biopsy in the UK, you know, go and do your dream. So I went to Yacht Master School and kind of forgot all about it because I'd had things show up on mammograms before. I'd had biopsies that always come back negative, and I was like, oh, it's probably just one of those things. And uh, so I went to sailing school. I was in sailing school for two months, and then I found a lump, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I had scans, and I you know, took them with me, and I you know, went to a facility in Southampton, and I was like, you know, I've got scans. I've got you know, credit cards. Can somebody see me get can we do a biopsy? And we did a biopsy. It was indeed cancer. And I was like, I had to make a choice about, do I go back to New York? Should I, you know, stay in London? What should I do? And the doctor there basically said, we can do a lumpectomy. You can be back on a boat in a week. You can finish your program. You can go back to New York, you know, as, as you'd planned. So I did exactly that. <laughs> um, I went and, um, you know, had the surgery, um, was back on a boat in a week, sailing force nine winds, which was crazy. Those are big winds. Um, I completed my program, crossed the Atlantic, went back to work, and then completed my treatment when I went back to New York. Um, so it was a real, that was a real low moment. Um, and there have been low moments since. Uh, my partner, 
um, has also uh, had cancer at the same time that I did, that the person that I'm sailing with now. And we started sailing together in 2013. And along our way, uh, his cancer metastasized. And uh, he has had to have uh, surgeries and um, treat his cancer underway. But basically, it is live your life, face it, deal with it, and keep going. Because life is always going to throw things at you, and uh, it's no reason to stay home. Well, definitely not. And just for me, just just kind of visualizing the, the story as you were telling it, you think of sailing around the world and the things that could happen, the thing, you know, the the potential dangers, and just quite honestly, not being a sailor myself, cancer isn't something that that immediately floats to the top of my mind. So I, I love that you just really humanized. Uh, you know, you humanize the sailors around the world by saying, you know, yeah, they they face everything that we face here on land, you know, health wise, you know, plus all the the potential risks and dangers at sea. So that's 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 really interesting, and I really appreciate you sharing that story. So what about so sailing around the world, sailing at all? To me, I'm not a sailor. I mean, I, I I've been on hundred thousand ton cruise ships, but uh, the kind of sailing you do, that's an entire different type of animal. And to me. That seems like it would come up with plenty of just inherent fears and risks. Can you describe any fears you had about sailing specifically and how you overcame those? Oh, goodness. It's been fear-packed the whole way. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'll start, I guess, at the, at the beginning of my first real offshore passage. I um, had, you know, wanted to live this dream, didn't know how I was going to do it, sold my stuff, getting ready to go, um, and as soon as I had sold my stuff, I all of a sudden was facing freedom, and that was very, very scary, and all of a sudden, I thought to myself, okay, you know, do I really want to do this? Am I really ready to go? And I immediately started rebuilding my cage. <laughs> I started thinking of all the reasons to keep myself uh, on shore. Um, and so I'd sold one apartment. I was actually thinking about buying another apartment. I was thinking about, oh, I can't go sailing. You know, I need to get promoted, get my staff promoted. You know, maybe I'll leave five years from now. Not going to go. But I had signed on for a course uh, right before I had put my apartment on the market, but the course happened a year, you know, so I think I signed on in October. The course happened in May, and it was basically to do an offshore passage from Annapolis to Nova Scotia. I was terrified to even show up to this thing once it became a reality. So in October, when I was signing up for it, I was like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to sail offshore for eight days. <laughs> but when it came reality in me, I was like, I don't think I want to go. And uh, I used a great life coach that I've actually still use this woman when I'm facing any fear. And she kind of convinced me to go do it. You know, like, does the dream stop here or do you keep on going? And so I went and I signed on with this fellow, John Crutchmer, who takes people on different sorts of offshore passages. And he had a crew of about... I think that there were um, six of us on the crew um, and him and his first mate. And we, I, I, no, there were five of us on the crew, him and his first mate. And we 
were, you know, off into the ocean in some pretty gnarly weather. The first day out, everybody was uh, losing their breakfast overseas. I was like, <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to ask him to turn this boat around and take me home right now. And, you know, we were 150 miles offshore at this point, and I don't think he was going to, you know, turn the boat around for me. And I kind of thought to myself, okay, well, you can, you know, suck it up and just do it and keep on going. Or, you know, you could just live in panic and fear. And I decided to just suck it up. And once I did, it was smooth sailing from then on out. I never looked back. I never got afraid of big seas again. Um, I just looked forward such such remarkably simple advice that you got there, but it obviously was incredibly powerful because you know to, to say something like that you know, just just suck it up and you know, we hear that all the time but but it obviously resonated with you at least in that moment because you know just that <laughs> yeah. light bulb went it sounds like the light bulb went off for you and it's it's I find it very easy to give other people advice or for other people to kind of deconstruct my life and say this is what you should do it seems so simple but then to actually take action or, you know, execute on what the advice was, is is very difficult. And for you to just be able to say, yes, I am going to suck it up. And then to actually follow through on it. And my goodness, years later, here you are rebuilding your cage. I love that. I'm, I, I wrote that down. That's such a, that you, that's just really sums up, you know, the situation so perfectly, you know, you spend all this time breaking down these walls and getting rid of all your stuff and taking off these shackles. And then the fear kind of starts to grip you and you build that cage right back up. I, I could totally see exactly what you were saying. And uh, that's, I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. And the idea of wanting this life of freedom and then actually achieving it might scare the, scare the bejesus out of some people the way it did for you, but you got over the hump. That's, that's the, really the takeaway from this is that you powered through it. And it sounds like you had some great people on your team. You had your, you know, the folks on your boat, you had your life coach, which is, you know, you, you, you sought out the resources you need to succeed. And that is something that, that is a huge takeaway that I hope, I hope my listeners get, you know, find the resources you need, especially in 2018, they're out there. Anything, any fears you have to overcome, there's people out there that can help you and get you where you need to go, wherever that is. Yes, my friend, this is an abrupt ending. I know, like I said in the beginning though, I, split my interview with Lisa Dornfest into two parts. Part two is going to be coming your way first thing tomorrow morning if you happen to be listening to this live. If not, then that second episode is going to be available right now. Just go ahead and push play on my interview with Lisa Dornfest, part two. Once again, Facebook group, Dramatic Travels Family. Absolutely love to have you on board. Head to DramaticTravels.com. Click the link right at the top of the page. Can't miss it. Big yellow banner. That'll take you straight to the Facebook group, Dramatic Travels Family, and please join us, my friend. All right, that'll do it for this episode number 12, part one. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. And remember, my friend, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So put some emotion in your motion. See ya. (laughs) See ya.